Hi folks and welcome back to the Small Wax Big Changes podcast series. I'm Mike Haynes, I am the leader of Global Acts of Unity. Our guest today is lay preacher Rhoda MacDonald from Fraserburgh in the north of Scotland. Welcome Rhoda uh, to our podcast series. Thank you very much for the invitation and the opportunity to share with you. Not a problem, not a problem. It's our privilege. So Rhoda, how has lockdown impacted you personally? In a couple of ways, really. Um, when lockdown was announced, I had a couple of friends staying with me, one a lady in her 80s and her niece who has learning difficulties. They're actually my... Um, supporters, prayer partners in, in what I do. We spend a lot of time together anyway. And so we decided that the most sensible thing to do would be just to stay together uh, for the duration of the lockdown. So that meant that uh, we could all look out for each other. I could do the shopping and, you know, get their medication and all of those kinds of things. Uh, and we would all have company. So that was, that was one way in which it impacted on me. Another way was uh, with my family. We'd recently lost my mother and we had hoped that we would be able to spend a bit of time supporting each other. Obviously, we weren't able to do that physically, but we were able to, to do that uh, using technology. Uh, another impact for me was that I tend to preach in about 13 churches in the northeast of Scotland on a rota. Some Sundays, two services, some Sundays, three. That instantly became impossible but because I had some experience in making videos and um, using that I was able to very quickly switch into creating a short online service and share that in various ways so that people would have something to bridge the gap when suddenly they weren't able to, to meet together physically in church. And the, the last impact was because there are very few ministers in the Buchan area where, where I live, uh, I tend to be asked to take a number of funerals. And so, of course, over that time, the number of funerals that I was uh, asked to, to take increased uh, quite dramatically. And the nature of, of those services of remembrance and thanksgiving for a life uh, changed dramatically as well and so I found myself having to deal with those kinds of things without being able to make the personal physical contact that you would normally make. So I'd say those are the, the four areas that hit me most personally. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, with everybody that we have spoken uh, and everybody has been in a um, all our guests have been ministers, preachers, something of, of, of that ilk. Uh, and they have all reported the same thing, that loss of personal contact uh, is, is really difficult. How about your wider community? How are people coping with the, the, the loss of not having the church to go to? 
I think initially everybody felt quite bereft and they felt that you know, we can't we can't go to the church. Sunday's not the same. We can't meet up with the people that we normally meet with. We're missing each other. They're like family, and that contact um, has been lost. But one thing that became clear very quickly is that people are quite adaptable, and if there's an opportunity and there's a thirst to do something they'll do it now most of the people most of the congregations that I'm involved with are predominantly elderly people and not people that you would say have a lot of experience in using technology and social media but the drive to connect with each other meant that they were very willing to go on that steep learning curve Mm. And people would contact me saying, my family have got me something called a portal and, and now I can speak to them and we can connect with each other. I have no idea how it works, but I, I know what to do. Um, others uh, were happy to, to listen to audio services. But then um, Zoom that we're using today to record this became a, a great tool and people discovered that you could have two-way communication yeah. and so very quickly uh, they, they've adapted to, to doing that and, and of course that was a, a big learning curve as well. At first people would speak over each other and uh, it yeah. just sounds <laughs> like a, a rabble you know and, and you, you really weren't sure if you were going to be able to do that and, and then those who were responsible for, for running it discovered, oh, you, you can mute everybody all at the same time and so we can have peace to listen to whoever <laughs> is actually supposed to, to be speaking. But the great thing about that was it didn't matter what device you had, people could use their ordinary landlines and yeah. still feel connected. They, they, they could listen in. And so people have taken to that very, very quickly. Uh, and I feel now, as as the regulations have changed and it and it is possible to to open churches again, that's going to be a little bit slow because people are afraid now to to go out again and to break that bubble that they've they've been in and they've got a tool that they can use. And so I think that in the churches we're going to have to be able to to run in various directions and do the in-person services and still use the the technology because now people who are in their homes feel connected there are people who've been disconnected for a while because they had some infirmity that meant they couldn't get to church now they can be with everybody else the same as everybody else every week if we were to drop using the technology they would again be excluded and we can't do that we can't go back yeah. to, to those days because one of the the great things that's happened in this time has been this improved communication uh, yeah. it's it's a strange thing i mean i, I i've said it often yes that the, the physical buildings have been locked down but 
actually the work of spreading the faith is has not been locked down at all and people generally agree with that i feel yeah uh, speaking with uh, other faith leaders one of the things that has come across over and over and over again is that people seem to be coming back to faith you know coming back to whatever belief works for them are, are you finding that in your community oh yes yes um certainly um just a month ago i i conducted a funeral for a young man who had come home to stay with his parents over the last four years because he'd been ill now this was a young man who had been part of a community of faith uh, and had wandered away from it but during the lockdown and he began to watch a variety of different services that were available. And I think that's been one of the keys. People have not been restricted to attending one place of worship and hearing one message. And he was listening to a whole variety of messages. And he said to his mother, you know, when this is over, I'm going back to church you know and she said well I'll come with you and we'll find the, the one that, that suits that suits you you know and so that's that's been a factor but one thing that's also amazed me is the number of non-church going people who have emailed me having seen the the service that I, I've put up on social media and have asked questions made comments but most surprisingly to me keep coming back every week and yeah. so i find that i'm no longer just preaching to those who would normally attend church there's also that community of interested people who want to look in from afar or who for a variety of reasons hold their faith very privately but find that there's an opportunity to participate with other people without maybe being seen or being exposed. And yeah. so there's a gentler path, you yeah. know, in, into faith that I think people are, are grabbing with both hands. And I think that the denominational barriers um, are, are also crumbling under this. I know I'm listening to a variety of other people's preaching and teaching um, across a, a spectrum. Uh, and that's that's happening all over the place and so in a curious sense whilst divided and separated we're being united and brought together and and that's a great joy to me i think that it's what the early church was like people met in their homes yeah. Um, yeah. and they celebrated their faith together and then we began to build buildings that we gathered in and we began to put structures round about that um, that I think have crumbled in this time. And I, I do wonder if heaven rejoices at that. I do think there is a certain element uh, of truth in what you say there. You know, people have been reaching out so much more um in faith communities uh, you know one of the things that has come across again from us from the podcast series is that faith leaders have been getting viewers from all over the world not just their own community 
uh, and that is that's quite special. Uh, that is quite a mm. wonderful thing to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've had people contact me from uh, Namibia and South Africa. Um, I've got a cousin who's in Saudi Arabia, and I thought she wouldn't be able to watch the broadcast, but she is, yeah. and, and she does do that. And it, it's just amazing uh, what, what's happening there. So if our listeners would like to see your services, how would they, where would they go to to view them? Yeah, if people wanted to connect to the services I've created, they could go on to YouTube and my channel is called Rhoda's Sermons. Also, you could look on Facebook at a number of the, the churches in Buchan Presbytery Fraserburgh Old, Fraserburgh West, Fraserburgh South, Peterhead New and Peterhead St Andrews. You'd find it there. Spot on. Thank you. We talked, uh, you talked a little bit about how you've changed from the, the face-to-face, the in-house um, services to now reaching out with technology. Um, and you talked about the benefits of that. Has your community embraced this technology and this adaptation from what we had to what we can provide? Yes, yes, very, very much. Uh, the, the community has embraced that. And there are lots of people who are doing other things alongside. A number of the churches, for example, have have got their Sunday school teachers or their youth leaders that are creating content that's particularly aimed at the young people and engaging them in imaginative ways. And so that that has also occurred alongside. And so I think people have seen, you know, there's an opportunity here for all sorts of people to to work in different ways. One of the, the local churches does a home worship session where a a couple sit in their living room and and they're very musical and and so so they they provide some worship music that people can listen to and uh, enjoy in their their own homes and so really it's if people think of ministry in restrictive terms that it's it's the minister that's going to do this Again, that, that's being challenged in these days because people who have something to contribute can do that and can do that in a, a variety of ways. And you're not restricted to one type of, of media. Uh, um, in one of the, the towns round about, the local radio station picked up on what ministers were doing individually, but asked them if they could collaborate together to, to create a programme that would be broadcast on a Sunday. And, and so that there's just so many ways in which people ha, have embraced the possibilities that are, are coming their way. Yeah, this coronavirus is you know, a terrible situation. And of course, the many people that have lost their lives, uh, had their lives mm. changed, it has also brought about a bright new day in the way that people are connecting and how faiths have embraced these changes 
you know, and certainly the technology are now are offering so many different uh, aspects to their uh, personal religious day. You know, <laughs> it, it, it is quite special. It, it certainly is. And I think because of that, that faith has become more public because it's in today's marketplace, which is social media. But also there have been reactions which have been out in the street. What I mean is that um, because the numbers attending funerals has been severely uh, restricted, um, then that, that's um, caused a problem that, in that people couldn't attend uh, particular funerals that they'd like to. But people have reverted to older practices, um, which like lining the streets when the, the hearse makes its journey uh, to the graveyard. And, and people are standing there, they're, they're bowing their heads, they're, they're clapping, they're showing a, a public uh, appreciation for the person. Um, also, many places have been live streaming funerals and so more people can actually participate and, and, and be a part of that service that, than could previously. And, and you know, that's enabled people in the community to, to see each other paying respect. And, and, and that's, that's been a, a wonderful thing to see. It's something that happened in the smaller villages before. People would often join the procession, but now it's happening in the towns and in the cities. And, and I find that's, that's interesting. People are finding a way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Has anything surprised you about how adaptive, creative your community have been? Yes, right at the, the very beginning, um, a, a young woman decided she would set up something she called Fraserburgh Community Heart, and it was publicised on various social media platforms. And really, it just became a conduit for people to say, I have a need, I, I need someone to collect a prescription, or I need this, or I need that, or where will I find this? Other people were saying, I could make scrubs for, for medical people. I could make bags for people to put uh, the, the, their clothes they've been wearing at their work into so that they can just put them in their washing machine when they go home. I can make masks. Uh, and that happened so quickly and it just became a spontaneous burst of, of goodwill and help. They, they would publicise, oh, the Salvation Army's got a food bank, they're running short of such and such, uh, you know, can anybody supply this, you know? And I think, you know, right at the very beginning, all, all of the community feeling was, why are all these people hoarding toilet roll and pasta? But that very quickly shifted to what can we do? to yeah. fill the gap, you know, how can, how can we, we help? And there was just such a, an outpouring of kindness and care and concern. And my hope is that as we emerge out of lockdown, that concern and kindness and care just continues. That, that, that's a mark of what communities have become. And we've had to look out for each other. We've had to think small in some senses yes. but that hasn't been a bad thing it's not been insular it's been how is my neighbor 
you yeah. know, uh, and maybe I I haven't spoken to her because she's not a friend on social media. But now uh, I know to to look out and yeah, like like when there was the Thursday evening clap for the carers, you yeah. would see people emerge from their door and people would wave to each other that hadn't spoken to each other in a while. You yeah, know? and so that kind of spontaneous care has been something that that's brought a lot of joy to me. Yeah. I, I, um, my wife is from Fraserburgh. Uh, all oh, right. All the way from Fraserburgh and Gamery. And uh, ah. I, I have a love for Fraserburgh. It's, I come from a very, uh, from a forces background, going back generations. And I've never had anywhere that I call home. And, but in many ways, Fraserburgh, the Brock, has become home. Yeah. Who lives out just uh, um, in Petuli, Sandhaven, just outside Fraserburgh. And when the lockdown started, she's very creative. And she began making little videos showing kids how to make things out of uh, plastic bottles or draw pictures or create things using buttons and all the rest of it and um, she she used the name that her um, grandchildren call her. her her surname's Gregory but they call her Grandma Grigley and uh, she posted these videos now Isabel speaks with a very strong northeast accent and yet all around the world People are, are enjoying that. My cousin in South Africa found it and he emailed me and he said, I understand every word. It reminded me of my father and my grandfather who came from Bucky <laughs> speaking to each other. And I've shown it to my grandchildren and they're making all of these things. And that's just another example of how a community has gone viral, really. Yeah. I chose to belong to a church outside of the town of Fraserborough because I, I was teaching in Fraserborough and I wanted a different relationship with the kids. Um, so I, I belong to a, a church in Stricken, that's my home church. Now very quickly what they did was that they opened up their church hall. The local supermarket had contacted them to say, look every day we have food that's going to be past its use by date in the next couple of days. And we would normally throw that food out. It seems a terrible waste to do that. Um, can you help us? So they opened up the church hall and they publicised when it would be open. And they said to the community, look, just come in and take what you need. There's no charge. There's no limit. You just come in and take what you need. And of course, very quickly, other things were donated from other people and other places but it just became the the hub of the the community where, where people would know that that's where you could get help no questions asked uh, nothing to say you know oh you have to belong to this church not at all and um, you know and, and people just came out and in and knew that that's where they could get help and knew where it came from you know, and and that's been one of the things that that's that's really thrilled me that that people have seen that that the people in the church are a, a caring community and they'll embrace everyone in the community uh, and and allow everyone to join in uh, participating in giving and receiving uh, that care and so 
you know, it's a very small community. It's a community of about 4,000 people, but they're looking out for each other and, and that's how they're doing it. So we have heard from Rhoda about her community, about her faith community. Uh, people are supporting each other. Kindness crosses all differences, all colour, all culture and all faiths. And we have seen over and over again through this podcast series of people coming together to support each other. And you can still do this. You can still help. You can still be a Corona hero. Rhoda, to finish this podcast episode off, do you have a message for the young people right now? Yes, I, I do. Um, I think that what's happened during this time of coronavirus has been a time of pause and a, a time of reset. And what we have seen is care and kindness coming to the fore. We're going to be emerging now with an opportunity to build society the way we would like to see it. And I, I would urge all young people and people of all ages, in fact, to make care and kindness and consideration the core of what our society is going to look like in the future. I would love it if when we look back on coronavirus, we say it's not a time that was dominated by the, the feelings of fear and anxiety. It was a time that was dominated by care and kindness. And we've taken that to heart and we're running with it. And the world will never be the same that. Yeah, yeah. Completely agree with you. Well, folks, that is the end of this podcast episode. Once again, we have heard words of wisdom and compassion from our guest. And Rhoda, I thank you very much indeed on behalf of our listeners and on behalf of Global Acts of Unity. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity and God bless you, Richley. Thank you.